What the fuck do you want? I've been dropping loads around this fucking house like a goddamn dump truck. I also gamble like a degenerate. I drink like a fish. I fuck hookers maybe five, six times a week. I have three different federal agencies looking to indict me. Oh yeah, and I love drugs. What an idiot. No, it's cool, man. I fucking made this for you guys. I used to be a party boy who banged chicks all the time. You guys remember? Hello again, everybody. This is Corey Atkinson with the Pro Wrestling Elitist Podcast for August 25th, 2020. As always, we are coming at you from a Tuesday, and I hope you're all doing well. I hope you are all staying safe. We've got just a couple of things here for you before we get into our main story. And today we're going to start off with Warner Media reportedly being thrilled with AEW's weekend numbers. This comes courtesy of Mike Johnson of PW Insider. Dynamite allowed TNT and Warner Media to have three of the top five rated broadcasts in the 18 to 34 demo on cable Saturday night. The NBA their coverage of the playoffs that helped them secure the top two spots. AEW ranked number five or the fifth ranked uh, slot. And that also showed that the audience uh, followed AEW from his normal home on Wednesday and they, they followed them on the Saturday, which is really, really cool, especially considering that at the same time, WWE had NXT takeover 30 happening at the exact same time. If you've been living under a rock or just don't have Twitter or Instagram, then you may not know that AEW Dynamite will air live on Thursday this week from Daly's Place in Jacksonville with a limited amount of fans in attendance for the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic manifested. AEW Dynamite will be live for the next several weeks leading into and following up on the September 5th All Out pay-per-view broadcast set for that pay-per-view so far. AEW men's world champion John Moxley taking on Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in the first ever Mimosa Mayhem match, the AEW women's world champion Hikaru Shida versus the NWA women's world champion Thunder Rosa, and then finally AEW world tag team champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus the gauntlet winner on Thursday night, which is expected, I would say, by everybody to be FTR. In additional news here, the expectation is that Cody will be off the air for an extended period of time to sell the beating that he took at the hands of Brody Lee. The timing may have something to do with the Stars Heels series that is going into production in Georgia as Stephen Amell specifically asked Cody to take part in the series when Amel's casting was announced last year. And as you can see, the timing certainly matches up. AEW has promised an update on Cody this Thursday. Also announced for this Thursday is a contract signing between AEW champion John Moxley and MJF. A tables match between Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. AEW TNT champion Brody Lee will have a title celebration, hopefully with lots of chilies. There'll be a gauntlet match, the Natural Nightmares versus the Young Bucks versus Best Friends versus FTR, the winner. They are set to challenge for the AEW Tag Team Championships at the All Out Pay-Per-View on September the 5th against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. 
Also happening on that Thursday, we have Big Swole taking on Dr. Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, and Rebel in a handicap match. And finally, Chris Jericho will be on commentary. Finally, as far as the news goes, one more thing to report here really quickly is that Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, Shaq Daddy, Shaq Fu, baby, he wants to come and wrestle Cody Rhodes in AEW, which would be a huge crossover type of a thing if if Shaq is in that kind of, of shape that he has been seen to get in from time to time. I, I recalled when he was about to face Big Show, the, the match that never happened. Shaq was ripped. So it's, it's, there's no doubt in my mind that Shaq could get himself back into that kind of shape for a match against Cody Rhodes. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And I think it's really cool that in, in, in signing this new deal with, with Warner media and TNT, that Shaq is, is wanting to participate in AEW that he's excited by the product. You know, he's been seen in, you know, outside of the NBA studios and outside of, other commitments like he's been wearing AEW shirts and stuff, which is awesome. So I'm happy to see that Shaq's a fan excited about the prospect of him working with Cody in some capacity or just working with AEW in general. I think that would be a really cool thing to get them more exposure, more eyes on the product and hopefully just continue to build their fan base more and more and more. And finally, before we get into today's top story, we're going to go ahead and talk about AEW dark. It's a, I believe 13 match card. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of blow through these really quick. Just so you have an idea of what you're looking for tonight. We have the murder rock monster, Lance Archer versus D three, the super bad girl, Penelope Ford versus Heather Monroe, which should actually be a really good match. Frankie Kazarian will take on Kip Sabian, which is actually an odd pairing. Someone's going to have to lose there. I imagine that'll probably main event the show as well. Frankie Kazarian, unsure if he's continuing to, to work with Christopher Daniels in SCU or, or if, if Daniels is heard or not, not entirely sure what's going on there, but also interesting to note that Kip Sabian is, is the one that'll be taking on Frankie. I imagine Kip will go over, but I don't know that to be true. I don't know. We'll see. Red Velvet, who really impressed me the last time that I saw her work, will be taking on Mel. Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela will be taking on the hybrid too. Again, another really unique pairing for Dark this week. Um, Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela had a lot of steam uh, a few weeks ago. The hybrid two just got back into the United States and are able to compete for AEW once again. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do here, who they decide to put over. I feel like there, there's money in both teams. I don't know. I, I don't know that I personally would have put those two together, but you know, as, as Jim Ross likes to say, and I, I agree with, if you book it right, you know, wins and losses, they matter, but you know, you can always bounce back and it's not something that's going to bury them. Moving along here, Storm Thomas and Demetri Jackson will take on Trent and Chuck Taylor of Best Friends, Austin and Billy Gunn. The people with their weird racist logo on their merchandise is taking on Frank Stone and Baron Black. Santana and Ortiz of Proud and Powerful, of LAX, of the the Inner Circle, of, of some other group probably. They'll be taking on the Metro Brothers. Jake Hager will take on Marco Stunt. I think we all know how that's going to go. 
Ricky Starks will take on Sean Dean. Nyla Rose will take on Kylan King. The Initiative will take on Luther and Serpentico. And then Sean Spears will take on Jesse Sorensen. And at least according to this graphic, Sean Spears will have Tully Blanchard in his corner. Speaking of Tully Blanchard and speaking of our top story, we're going to do something that I don't really do a lot on this podcast. We're going to actually take a look match by match or segment by segment of last Saturday's Dynamite. Let's start off with the first match that kicked us off. Well, it was Private Party. Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy taking on FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. Um, it was revealed very quickly that they had Tully Blanchard in their corner as their manager slash coach. He was on the floor. He was wearing a matching jacket. And this one got off to a very quick start. To no one's surprise, FTR got the win. I think if we're looking at FTR in, in general, they are still looking incredible coming off of their run in WWE and now coming into AEW as FTR. The, the former revival continue to impress. So happy to see that they are, you know, putting themselves in, in a position to succeed. Conversely, I would say that private party, you know, mixed for me, I would say that, I was actually pretty impressed this week with Mark Quinn. I thought Mark Quinn looked really good in, in doing what he was trying to do. Um, I know that I'm usually pretty hard on private party because I just don't feel like they're ready for the spot that they're in. But Mark Quinn, I thought looked really good. Isaiah Cassidy, on the other hand, just continued to, I don't know. He looked sloppy. He was waiting for, for moves or waiting for spots. I, I just, it didn't, I don't know, man. It didn't, it didn't do it for me. Um, his performance, I thought, was, was lacking. Moving along here, we have an interview with John Moxley. And if you pay any attention to John Moxley promos, apparently he can't be anywhere other than a place that has like fences and hazardous material. So um, he's in a backstage area. Maybe that's just Florida. I don't know. Sorry, Florida. But you're kind of, I don't know, easy pickings these days. Anyhow, Moxley had another really good promo here. MJF obviously being his target and them building up to the all out pay-per-view. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Moxley and MJF at that pay-per-view. I'm not a fan of MJF doing this whole political thing. I don't really think that it has a whole lot of, of, of staying power. Granted, they only have to do it for another couple of weeks, but regardless I don't think it's complimentary to either men's skills. I don't think that it's, it's original at all. Um, I, I get the timing of it all, but I just don't know that it's doing MJF any favors right now. We go to commercial break. And then when we come back, we've got MJF in a neck brace. He says that the homicidal maniacs all pair in comparison to dictator John Moxley. Um, Nina was behind MJF smiling very widely. That was actually pretty entertaining. The promo itself by, by MJF just wasn't, um, it was fine. Um, which is hard to say about any MJF promo, but this made way to Mark Sterling, who was apparently being, being brought in as MJF's lawyer. Uh, Mark Sterling did a really good job 
of having a character introduction and um, just being a, a really smarmy asshole. Really enjoyed the introduction here. Mark Sterling really enjoyed Nina in the background, just smiling, almost painfully smiling the entire time. Um, ultimately, a pretty effective segment. I just thought, again, this whole political campaign being done by MJF, just it's not for me. The next match on the card is the Natural Nightmares and the Jurassic Express taking on the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Brothers. So this one is a bit of a mess in the sense that we had this super cohesive team of the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade just a few weeks ago. Then all of a sudden they're, they're not cool. I, I, I felt like that was a very forced narrative that they were trying to push, but I do really appreciate the fact that they're bringing in Eddie Kingston to help lead this group. I don't know how much the butcher and the blade need it. The, uh, both guys are actually really good talkers. If you let them talk, you know, the, the Lucha brothers, I know English isn't their their first language, but you know, he might be a better fit with those two in the sense of, you know, he can kind of, he can be the sizzle for their stake, so to speak at the end of the segment, Eddie Kingston, after he talked all of them into becoming a faction or a group, they, they had a, a big hug or embrace in the middle of the ring, and Eddie Kingston winked at the camera. It'll be interesting to figure out who that wink was for. My gut tells me that it's a wink at Pack, but it's hard to say definitively. I say that only because we don't know when or if Pack will be back in AEW. I believe he will be, but you never know. The virus is a pretty big bastard, and it's, it might even be a bigger bastard than Pack. I don't know. But if, if the wink was meant for Pack, I, I like the foreshadowing that that offers, and it gives a, a something for Pack to dig his teeth and do it when he comes back. You know, Death Triangle was, was very short-lived due to the entire situation around the, the COVID-19 pandemic. I really hope that they come back to that idea because I think that there was definitely legs with the, the Death Triangle group. But I don't know. I think for right now, allowing Eddie Kingston to be the mouthpiece for the Lucha Brothers is going to be a really good thing. We go behind the scenes to a, a segment shot earlier that day with Dr. Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, Kip Sabian, and Reba. We are treated to a, a trading of services, so to speak, as, as Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian offer, uh, accept the offer from Britt, Dr. Britt Baker to help the good doctor in her battle against big swole. So it'll be uh, Dr. Britt Baker, Reba and Penelope Ford taking on big swole in a handicap match on, on this Thursday's dynamite, which we already covered in a previous segment. What's the trade-off Reba will do Penelope's makeup for a year for free. Rebel is, is shocked by it, but Penelope agrees. So we do have our match and it is official for, Thursday night when we come back from a commercial break we have Orange Cassidy in the ring with Tony Schiavone we have uh, Orange Cassidy flanked by Trent and Chuck Taylor nothing of, of note happens until Chris Jericho comes out and he announces or offers a challenge to Orange Cassidy for a uh, Mimosa Mayhem match Orange Cassidy accepts and it's on baby 
Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho in a Mimosa Mayhem match at All Out. Once the match has been agreed to, Chris Jericho six the inner circle on the best friends and Orange Cassidy by telling them to get them, boys. The best friends and Orange Cassidy get their ass kicked and the bubbly ends up being poured all over Orange Cassidy. So kind of a similar situation where where we are are accustomed to Orange Cassidy getting his ass kicked and having something poured on him or broken over him by by the inner circle. This is more of the same that we've been getting the week over week. Um, I, I think I'm starting to, you know, I know we're at a tiebreaker thing. Orange Cassidy's won a match and Chris Jericho has won a match. I am ready for this thing to move along. It's 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 just really dragging for me personally. Our next match on the show is the Dark Order, where it'll be Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Alan Angels, three, four, and five, respectively, within the Dark Order, taking on the Elite, the original Elite, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, and Kenny Omega. Again, we have another showing of of frustration from Kenny Omega. He loses his temper and is is taking it out on five until the Young Bucks come back into the ring and calm him down. The, the winner of your match is the elite, but you have to wonder what is happening with Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. Okay. Or is Kenny Omega ready to snap backstage? Alex Marvez is interviewing the FTR and Tully Blanchard combo. When hangman page interjects and you know, they calm him down by offering him a beer. They, they FTR explains why they took out Ricky Morton. And why they fake their injury, it, it doesn't seem like Adam Page is totally on board with what they're doing, but there is some mind fuckery happening between Tully Blanchard and Adam Page. We'll see where this goes. If anywhere, this might just be a, a perfect catalyst to get us into the presumptive match between FTR and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page at All Out. We go to a commercial break and we come back with Darby Allen. Darby Allen is taking on Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs is somebody that I think is going to be a, a really extraordinary talent someday. I hope AEW gets smarter with how they use him. I don't know that I'm in agreement with them using him well, twice now. I don't know if it was two consecutive weeks. I'd have to go back and look, but at least twice now they've used Will Hobbs in a uh, manner to put other people over. Um, this week being Darry Allen. I think Will Hobbs deserves way better than that, but what do I know? I'm just some rube on a microphone. Your winner is Darby Allen after a coffin drop. Taz interrupts everything after the victory and says that team Taz has a new member. It's, it's someone named Darby as well. And it's Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks comes out. He plays a mopey emo kid and, and mocks Darby Allen and, you know, hits a bunch of jokes while he's doing this. Brian cage comes to the ring, blindsides Darby Allen with the FTW championship. And Starks did a phenomenal job on the microphone, actually, um, especially when um, him and Brian cage beat the crap out of Darby Allen. I was really impressed by the fire and and the passion and just the the promo ability of Ricky Starks. Great, great stuff here. In the next segment, we had Sammy Guevara coming out 
with his commercial cards to give Matt Hardy a message halfway through. And I really actually like this a lot. You know, they, they have the, the cards essentially Sammy's not looking at the cards. The cards say that he's sorry that Sammy is an idiot. He's about to be broken and consider him deleted. And once that happens, Matt nails Sammy in the back with a steel chair. Matt grabs the, the delete card and then beats Sammy while screaming delete, delete, delete. And this is all happening during the, the picture in picture, I should note. So once we come back from picture in picture, we have Matt Hardy beating down Sammy Guevara with a steel chair in a crazy spot. Matt Hardy throws Sammy Guevara off of the stage and through a table. The table breaks in such a way where it's just like, holy shit. I know that Sammy Guevara is known as being a risk taker and he is absolutely someone that puts his body on the line more often than not, but just the way that table broke. Holy shit. Loved it. As we move along in the show, we have a backstage segment and all of a sudden the NWA women's championship is in front of us. And all of a sudden Thunder Rosa is in front of us. Holy, holy shit. To quote Steve Austin, son of a bitch. She fucking Thunder Rosa is on AEW and I couldn't be more excited. I hope this is more of a long-term thing than just a one-off kind of a deal. But she says that the fans have been asking for it and she's fucking right. At least I have been. She introduces herself and says that she's here to put the women's division on the map. She is set to take on Hikaru Shida at all out. It's going to be a hell of a match. I am so fucking excited. So fucking excited that Thunder Rosa is in AEW. Even if it's for a one shot, I think that she adds so much value and, and so much authenticity to the women's division that they'd be stupid not to sign her. But again, this is the women's division that we're talking about. So it's entirely possible that they just completely ignore it. Speaking of the women's division, we have the finale of the women's tournament, which means Veda Scott is at the announcer's table. Veda Scott did a phenomenal job as the announcer for the women's tournament. Eva Lisa and Diamante, um, they actually go on to win the tournament. Everybody kind of thought that Brandy Rhodes and Allie, the Nightmare Sisters, that they would be the ones winning the, the tournament, but not so. It, it was actually a, a nice surprise to see Eva Lisa and Diamante win. I would say that the the presentation of of the winner was kind of weak. Um, I appreciated that they had Medusa out there, but I, I get that Eva Lee and Diamante are going to throw down the flowers because they're big, tough ladies and yada yada yada. I don't know, man. It just felt really kind of forced. But all of this, everything here that we've got. It has led us to our main event. Our main event is Cody, the TNT champion with Arn Anderson taking on Mr. Brody Lee. This match, man, it is not much of a match at all. It is more of a squash. Our winner and new TNT champion is Mr. Brody Lee. If you haven't heard that already, then you are probably living in a bit of a cave or just I'm very excited to see Brody Lee win the TNT championship. I know that this gives Cody, someone to chase, and that's always a good thing. You need to have a, a good set of, of villains, a good set of, of um, antagonists for your protagonist to, to go after. If, if, if you've got just these series of, of, of villains, you know, you're, you're in the, the case of Cody, you know, you've got 
Sean Spears and MJF and, and people like that, that Cody's already dispatched of, and in some cases, multiple times, if Cody's able to do that with Brody Lee, you know, he's already did that with, with Lance Archer does it with Brody Lee as well. Then we are putting ourselves into a really shitty situation where no one's going to be able to get heat on Cody. Someone needed to do this. And Brody Lee, in my estimation is the perfect dance partner for Cody. After Brody Lee wins the, the TNT championship, the dark order comes out and they, they attack Arn Anderson. They, they Cody Rhodes had been um, put onto a backboard and put onto a stretcher. They, they dump Cody off of the backboard and onto the entrance ramp and they hit him with the old TNT championship, the, the placeholder championship, if you will. Um, the Dark Order, they they continue to beat up the Nightmare family, laying everybody out from Dustin to, I believe, QT Marshall was out there too. But um, eventually, Randy Rhodes comes out there and she tries to protect her husband. This is where Anna Jay comes in finally. She is invited by Brody Lee to attack Randy Rhodes and she chokes out Brandy. And we get the classic JR call that she's a damn Jezebel. But the, the old TNT championship title belt that is dumped over the, the prone and, and almost lifeless body of Cody. All, all in all, this was a really strong episode, a really strong effort by AEW. A very commendable effort considering that they had uh, NXT TakeOver 30 happening on the WWE Network. And that they weren't on their normal night. I think that AEW put together a really strong show considering that there was a lot of things working against them. But as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on the show as well. For the love of God, get a hold of us on Twitter and or Instagram. I want to know what you thought. If I don't know, then that just makes me a sad panda and nobody wants a sad panda. Pandas are inherently meant to be happy. Let's not make me a sad panda. You can get a hold of us at PW Elitist on Twitter and Instagram, or you can reach out to me directly at Corey A. Atkinson, C-O-R-E-Y-A-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N at Twitter or Instagram. You can also send us an email with anything that you want to get on the show. Our email is pwelitis at gmail.com. That's all we got for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I know that this one was a little bit of a different episode, just trying something different to see how I feel about it. Um, again, thoughts and opinions always welcome. You guys just got hit with those socials, so I'm not going to do it again. But what I will tell you is thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to take a chance on us. Thank you for giving us your time. It means the world to me, and I, I can't thank you enough. All right, everybody, until next week, please, please, please continue to be vigilant. Stay smart, um, wear your masks, wash your hands, and take care of each other and take care of yourselves. Goodbye. We'll talk to you soon.